All right, good morning, everybody. Pastor Paul here. It is Monday morning, 8 a.m., April 5th, 2022. So glad that you are here with us. Hope you guys had a great um, weekend, beautiful weekend, um, Holy Week, Good Friday, Easter services. Um, it was an awesome time if you had the opportunity to join us, but uh, no buts, but it was it was amazing, and um, we are just coming down from that 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 amazing time over the weekend. But we are here Monday morning, and just is in need of God's grace as we were um, um, the previous day, and God's mercies for today. And so we're going to be in Exodus chapter twenty six, and if you've been um, joining us here each morning, or maybe this is your first time, just a reminder um, what we're doing. We're journeying through the book of Exodus, and we're taking um, just sequentially as we go, each passage, um, each section, we're breaking it down, we're reading it, we're talking about what it meant then, and what it means to us. Um, to Exodus chapter 26, and if you have your Bibles, you can flip there. And um, this is the section, just kind of a run up here. This is the section of Exodus where uh, the people, remember the people have come out of Israel, of Israel, I'm sorry, the Israelites have come out of Egypt. They um, were slaves to Pharaoh and the Egyptian people, and they've been freed by God. And he said, you no longer belong to Pharaoh, you belong to me. And I'm bringing you to Mount Sinai to worship me. Uh, for me to give you the law and then for me to lead you into the promised land. And so here they are at Mount Sinai. Moses has gone up on the mountain. He has received the law. And now we're um, reading um, this law. And um, so, so remember there were, there were three kinds of laws. There, were, um, there was the moral law, the Ten Commandments. Those were written by the hand of God himself on stone to be put into the Ark of the Covenant. And then there were civil laws which governed the, the relationship of the, of the Israelites to one another in their society and their body politic. And then there was the ceremonial law, the laws that were to govern their worship of God. And we're in the middle of looking at all some of these different ceremonial laws. And um, we're up to chapter 26 where God is giving them instructions about how they're to construct the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. So just remember that um, this was before there was a permanent uh, temple or sanctuary and that was to later be built in Israel, in Jerusalem by, by Solomon. Okay? It was designed by David, but it was, it was built by Solomon. And then, of course, that first temple was destroyed in the um, invasion of the Babylonians and the temple was rebuilt um, under Herod, under Roman occupation. But before either of those temples, there were a tent of meeting. And it was a portable sanctuary, um, if you can imagine, which meant that each and every day, um, or each and every time the Israelites would um, break their camp, they would um, carry this tabernacle with them. And so, of course, it needed specific instructions for what it would look like and how it was to be constructed and, and such. And so um, it's a long chapter, so I'm going to read a couple of sections of it. Um, 
because I think it'll give you the the the, the, the gist of, of how this is organized and how um, the, the nature of the instructions and so let, let, let me read for example the verse the first six verses it'll it'll get us going here Exodus 26 moreover you shall make the tabernacle that's what we're talking about as the crows um, bark their instructions to each other this morning. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with 10 curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns. You shall make t- make them with cherubim skillfully worked into them. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits and the breadth of each curtain four cubits. And the curtains shall be the same size. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another and, cur- and the other five curtains shall be coupled to one another. And you shall make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtain in the first set. Likewise, you shall make loops on the edge of the outermost curtain in the second set. Fifty loops you shall make on the one curtain, and fifty loops you shall make on the edge of the curtain that is in the second set. The loops shall be opposite one another. And you shall make fifty clasps of gold, and couple the curtains one to the other with the clasps, so that the tabernacle may be a single whole. Now, this whole chapter goes on like that about different parts of the tabernacle, the curtains, the frames, um, you know, the the openings, um, the what the frames were made of, how they were to be overlaid with gold, um, the design of the curtains, um, how it's to be constructed, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if this seems a little tedious to us, um, think for a minute for those of you who um, have built a house, okay. Um, those of you who have designed, you picked out a piece of land, you had to pick out someone to design the house, an architect, um, a builder. Well, and you just think about all the, the time you spent going over those plans, talking about those plans, figuring out what you wanted to, to, to do, what would you want this house to look like. Um, my guess is you probably spent some hours over over that, if not longer, right, in the planning and construction of it. Well. That's essentially what we have here in Exodus 26. We have the architectural plans, quote unquote, for the house of God. And, and remember that, that because this was God's house, um, the point of all these instructions is to remind the Israelites that um, where God dwells, that is of utmost importance. Okay. So again, and I've mentioned this before, but let, let's go back through it. So when the Israelites would break camp and they would, they would um, take the tabernacle down and transport it, and they would go to their next spot in their journey in the wilderness, um, they would set up camp. And um, everyone would, uh, they would camp and camp by tribes, okay? And then they would have a center point of camp. And the center point of camp would be home base. That would be the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And it was here to be constructed. It was to be set in the middle of all the other camps. And the Israelites would camp in concentric circles all around the tabernacle, all around the tent. And this was, of course, highly symbolic. It was meant to denote that God dwells in the midst of his people and that God was to be the central point of everything they did in their lives, right? And and so, so of course, there was going to be great attention paid to how this house was to be constructed again to remind the israelites that you have a house well god has a house right and what god's house looks like so to speak is of utmost importance to god 
Um, again, this was to remind the Israelites of the centrality of God to their lives, the centrality of their worship, the idea that there was nothing in their lives that was to be separated out or disconnected from God. And this is a great um, object lesson and spiritual lesson for us now in the 21st century, right? Think about all the things that occupy our time and attention, right? Our families, our jobs, our hobbies, um, um, our interests, uh, places we want to go, things we want to do, and how easy it is for God to slide to the periphery, okay, in those things. And um, we have to be reminded, um, in the same way the Israelites do, that God, because we belong to Him, if we're Christians and been claimed by Him in the name of Jesus Christ, He is the center point of our lives. There's nothing, right, that um, is peripheral to him. And which is why we, we say things like coming together weekly for worship as God's people is of highest importance. It reminds us, it reorients us, does it not, to this idea that God is central, um, that there's nothing in our lives that are to be disconnected from him, that it's not like we have eight areas of our life and six belong to God and two are belong to us. It all belongs to him. And again, as the Israelites um, were reading this and having to, to, to take down and set back up this temple and to design it, uh, this lesson would have been pressed upon them time after time after time. Now, there's no tabernacle right now. And so, so how do we remind ourselves, okay, um, of the centrality of God in our lives on a daily basis. Well, flip over to John for a second, right? And, and we see very clearly, okay, when John tells us in John chapter 1, verse 14, and the Word, meaning Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That word dwelt among us. It literally means he tabernacled among us. He tented among us. So we no longer have a physical temple made by hands, right? What we do now is we have the, the actual tabernacle, the tent of God, Jesus himself, who is God. He dwells in the midst of us. He took on flesh and tabernacled with us. He pitched his tent among us. And because he is now the central aspect of our worship, the way we orient ourselves to this is we come to his word every day, right? Um, the word, Jesus, gave us his word, and that's how we orient our hearts and minds and lives every single day to the reality that Jesus is the center of our lives. He came, he died for us, he rose again, he's our touch point, um, there's not to be any area of our lives, whether it's finances, marriage, relationships, children, parenting, uh, our jobs, our money, our recreation, none of it is to be disconnected from him. It's all just like those camp Israelites encamped around the tabernacle. All of those areas are to be oriented around Jesus. And, and we remind ourselves of this, um, when we renew our hearts before him in the pr in prayer and the word every single day. Otherwise, what happens? Well, um, he becomes peripheral to us. 
he um, begins to slide out of our center focus. We begin to think about the areas of our life, not in orientation, not in orient. We don't orient them to, to him. We orient them to ourselves. That's the, that's the natural movement of the flesh and of sin is to make Jesus less central than he is called to be. Um, but yes, yeah, so we don't have a tabernacle anymore, physical, in terms of a structure. But we have Jesus, who is the tabernacle. He became flesh. He dwelt among us. He is the central touch point. And God calls us um, to renew ourselves in him, in Jesus, his son, every day, who took on flesh. And this is how we can now read, okay, obscure passages, again, for our culture, Exodus 26. When we, when we read Christ into them and put Christ in the center and understand what Christ says when the law and the prophets pointed to him, spoke about him, were fulfilled in him, now the whole Old Testament, right, can be read that way. It comes alive to us in a pretty profound way. So the word uh, uh, became flesh, tabernacled amongst us. Exodus 26, God says, build the tabernacle. Ah, yes, now we build our lives around Jesus. Okay, so that's Exodus 26. Um, next several days we'll be looking at um, some of the furnishings of God's house. Um, uh, and we're going to do a little furniture shopping, right, to, um, to, to see what God calls the people of Israel to, to put into this tabernacle. And we'll, again, we'll look at this in light of Christ. How does this point us to Jesus now? But that's tomorrow, same time, same station. Let me pray for us today. Lord, um, we don't have a physical building tabernacle um, that houses you any longer. We are your temple. We house you, your Holy Spirit, Jesus, in us. And Lord, we want to build our lives around him. And Lord, help us to do that as we renew ourselves in your word each and every day. Lord, um, we pray now that you would go before us and empower us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody.